0: Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. We're so glad you're here. If you are uh, new today, I do just want to reiterate what she talked about in the video. Like, we really do want to connect with you today. We don't think, we don't see church as, you know, we don't do not do drive through church like McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, even though, you know what I'm saying, bless the Lord's chicken. I mean, it's great. I wish they were open on Sundays, but I get it. Um, but we, we don't want you to just have a drive through experience of church. We really believe that when you begin to meet people, when you hear other people's stories and you get to connect with people in it, it, that... That is also a part of how God begins to change your life. And so we don't, if you are new today, I would encourage you, uh, take a moment, get that card, fill it out. You can take it to the connect area out there. And uh, we're not going to send you 50 emails before you get home or show up at your front door. Uh, but we do want to reach out to you this week and just see if there's a way you can be connected here at the house. Because we think God has a plan for your life. And so um, anyway, if we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Devin, and I get to be one of the pastors here at the house. And so I'm so, yeah, come on, if we're going to do it, let's do it, you know what I'm saying? um, And we we started a series last week, and we're going to wrap it up today uh, called Glory Days, okay? And, And this is really what we're communicating, is that your best days are not behind you, they are ahead of you, okay? So it doesn't matter what age or stage of life you are in. Um, And while God wants you to honor him for what he has done in your life, he also wants you to see that he's not done yet. If you're breathing, if you're if you're here today, then that mean God that means that God has a purpose for your life. And so it does not matter what your 2023 was like or your 2022 or your 21 or 20. I don't think that was that great for anybody, but God wants to do something new in your life. And so we've been looking at this verse, uh, Second Corinthians, chapter three verse 18. We're going to look at it again today. And it says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. And so we got to break this down a little bit. Um, he says with unveiled, with unveiled face, that's not something that, you know, I'm saying (laughs) we we use in our everyday terminology, like you're not in the car, like I got an unveiled face right now. Like, and so You you would have to know that in the beginning, God created man and woman. He placed them in the garden with him, and he wanted a relationship with them. He wanted to walk with them and have connection with them. But there was sin that, that took place, and so sin always separates us from God. And so from that moment until now, God has been trying to get a relationship with us. And so we all have sin in our life, and so that keeps us apart. And so back in the day, in the Old Testament, you would have to go get an animal, and it would have to be spotless, and you would have to sacrifice it, and you have to take that to the priest. And then there was a certain place that even in the tabernacle, you couldn't even go to. There was a veil, and only the priest could go back there. And so um, that, that wasn't God's initial design, but that's what he had to do. And so this whole time, he had a plan, though, to send his son to come down on earth to live a perfect life so that you and I may have a relationship with him. And so we, don't, we no longer sacrifice lambs and animals because Jesus was the sacrifice for us to have a relationship with him. So, so this verse is saying that we don't have anything between us and God. We don't have anything between us and his presence anymore. But holding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now, you know, you looked in the mirror before you came today, okay? So maybe, maybe you didn't get a chance to do your makeup before you left the house because you were getting kids ready and you were driving down the road, <laughs> beholding yourself in the mirror, fixing <laughs> your makeup. It, it's just as we stare at the glory of the Lord, as we as we spend time as in His presence, as we condition ourselves to look at Him and not look at everything that's happening around us. What's happening in our life is we're being transformed into His image. You're being made less like you and, and more like him. And that's a good thing because we are naturally uh, selfish. We are naturally uh, only concerned about ourselves. And as we spend time in God's presence, we're being moved into the image that he is glory by glory. So peace by peace. It doesn't happen all at once, but over seasons of your life, you become the image of the Lord. And it's not by you. It's not you don't do it by yourself. You don't muscle yourself into it. It's by the spirit of the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that begins to transform us into the image of God, and so we behold His glory. and 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 last week we talked about being unstuck. We talked about how you don't have to be in the same cycle you were last year. You don't have to be in the same place you were ten years ago. But God wants you to get up. He wants you to pick up your mat, and He wants you to move. He's He's doing something, and we're a part of that. And uh, today my title is Unpopular, so we're gonna stay with the theme of uns, and uh, we're gonna talk about unpopular, because God wants to move you from glory to glory. But you just might not always like how it feels. You might not always like how it looks. You might not always like what you hear on your way from glory to glory. And here's the funny thing about God is he's not asking you. He's never like, hey, is this, is this good for you? Okay, we can move on. No, it's just like I, he is concerned with his glory being shown on all the earth. And so sometimes it is unpopular. And if we're being honest, we all, inside of us, we want glory. Come on, nobody wants to be the second best employee at, at their work, okay? I'm, try, I'm trying to be number one, okay? No, you, you don't want to have the second most well-behaved children. No, no, you want, you want everybody to be like, what are you doing with your kids? So that I, I remember being in elementary school, and I got second place in the spelling bee, I might as well would have got last. That was, the, that, that was the worst day. I did not know how to spell abdomen. I'm like, what third grader knows how to spell abdomen? I thought it had an I, it had an E, it was a whole deal. I worked through it, I'm healed, I'm healing. Um, but we, we want to be first. We, we want glory. We build statues for people to show them glory. The greatest basketball player of all time, it's not up for debate, Michael Jordan, okay? Had, he has a statue because somebody thought, Man, we ought to show this man some honor and some glory for what he's accomplished. Nick Saban, I think he shouldn't, you know what I'm saying, tear it down, you know what I'm saying, go Tigers. But he has a statue. Great American presidents throughout history, we, we build statues for them. And, and hear me, there's nothing wrong with receiving honor for, for your hard work and for um, different things that you've had to walk through and accomplish. But ultimately, is that what our life is supposed to be measured by? It, are we supposed to measure our life by the amount of square footage we have or the amount of cars that we have in our driveway or the amount of letters that we have by our name? Like, are we supposed to measure the amount of glory in our life based on what we have in our bank account? Or, or is there something more that we are designed for that we're living for? And I would say if you choose to put all of your purpose in those things, well, that's a very shallow way to live. Because ultimately, God is not against you getting honor and glory, but, but really he's after uh, his own glory, filling the earth. Numbers chapter 14, verse 21, God says this, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. His plan is to fill the earth with his glory, not not your glory. <laughs> he, he, he's not looking to fill the earth with, with Devin Cheatwood's glory or with your parents' glory or with your employer's glory. He is looking to fill the earth with his glory. Isaiah chapter 43, verse six through seven. I will say to the north, give them up and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. See, this is the purpose that God has for our life. You were created to bring him glory in the way that you live in your everyday life when you go to work when you raise your kids come on as you attend church like you were created to bring him glory the apostle paul said it like this in a letter in everything that you do whether you're eating or you're drinking come on do it to the glory of the lord and so that's why i go to the line with popeyes with no shame because i'm like i am doing this to the glory (laughs) of the lord i felt to move right there Um, in the in the great thing about this is that god doesn't just say hey your purpose it's to bring me glory in your life. He always gives us an example. When God wants you to do something, he sends you an example. And so we have the life of Jesus to model our lives afterwards. And can I tell you that Jesus was not always the most popular person in the room. Sometimes Jesus would say something and like half of the crowd would be like, we are not doing that. We are leaving. Jesus was so unpopular that they murdered him. And so obviously that shows me that not everybody liked him. Not, not everybody agreed with everything that he said, but he wasn't concerned with people's opinions. He was concerned about doing what his father sent him to do, and that was to glorify his father who is in heaven. And so because we have that example, we have something to model our life afterwards. And today I wanna share a little bit of four um, unpopular ways we bring God glory. And as I start to talk about this, I'm gonna talk about my family a lot today because one of the areas in my life that God has gotten glory recently is by how me and Sydney have grown Our family and so I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it to you because it does get a little confusing okay and I understand that and uh, so we so me and my wife have been married for six years okay we just celebrated six years in October let's go got my master's degree in marriage okay Um, but so we have a five-year-old son named Malachi so we were like in Genesis it says be fruitful multiply we do things in order around here so we just you know we handle business right off the bat and and We have a, we're foster parents, so at different parts of, different weeks, different days, really different hours, I can have different number of kids, okay? So sometimes I have five kids, and sometimes I have three, and sometimes I have four. And right now, we have a two-year-old little girl that's in our home. She's back there in kids' church right now, and so you'll see her running around. And then we also just recently adopted our son, Judah, who is two months old. Let's go. And then uh, we are pregnant, and we have a baby on the way in March. So I already, I already know what you're thinking. Wow. And uh, me too. I don't know what to tell you about that. Um, <laughs> most people, you know, spread it out and we were just like, hey, we're just going to handle it all at one time. So, um, but as we, as we talk through these uh, four unpopular ways to bring God glory, I think through our story, you'll start to see where God shows up when you're moving from glory to glory. So the first thing we have to do if we're going to bring God glory with our life is we have to surrender to God's Word. You have to surrender to God's Word. And so I mentioned my two-year-old daughter, and uh, right now, we are working on uh, surrendering, okay? There, there are moments where a word goes forth in my house, and the surrender does not come, but reluctantly, okay? And so I may say, hey, it's time to go to bed. Let's get on our jammies," and I, the word will go forth. <laughs> but there will not be a response other than, no, <laughs> And you can feel the tension begin to rise in my house because she's so cute. And I really don't want to correct her. But then I have to remember that when she's 30, it's not going to be cute. okay? And so, and so I say, hey, no, we got to go to bed. And, and you can almost feel like I will not surrender. <laughs> I will not yield. We will push for, for, forward. okay? And, but she does not understand this right now. But she is more blessed when she chooses to respond and surrender when her father says something. And so it's 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 cute and we can laugh at a two-year-old, but if I'm being honest, there's moments where, and maybe it's just me, where God says a word to me, and I am like, I do not want to do that. <laughs> I I I want nothing to do with that. There's moments in your life where God says something to you. And if you're being honest, you're like, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that was something else. And here's what my two year old does doesn't understand that I sometimes forget is that she is not able to raise herself. So she thinks nap time is terrible, (laughs) but I know that nap time is saving her (laughs) from being at 5 p.m. being cranky. She's not able to grow herself into all that she needs to become. She needs a father to say, hey, it's time to go to bed. Hey, that's your third pack of fruit snacks. It's time to be done. And and you need a word from the Lord for your life. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. Jesus is he's he's in the wilderness and he's being tempted and he's been fasting for 40 days. So the enemy tries to take like the low hanging fruit and says, hey, you could turn you have the authority to turn these stones into bread. So why don't you just why don't you just do that? You'll have something to eat. And Jesus responds with this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. For for those of us who who follow Jesus, we we. The word is not like a good add-on to your life. It is a necessity to your life. Like like you need it. And I'm all for getting on YouTube and watching some videos about advice, okay? I'm all for the Instagram reels that tell you how to manage your money and it's helpful. Like like go get the go get the wisdom. Go get the counsel. Sit down with somebody and ask them, hey, how did you manage to do what you've done in your life? But at the end of all that, we have to get a word from the Lord. You you, you need a word of from the Lord on how you're going to raise your kids. Like there's some great stuff on YouTube, but ultimately, like you got to ask God, hey, where do you want me to send my kids? I see all this stuff with private school and public school and homeschool and all that, and I get it. But where do you want me? Like, where, what are the Cheatwoods gonna do? And advice is great, but it's better to have the Word of God, because it doesn't say we live off of the advice of well-meaning people. It says we live off of the Word of the Lord. What, what are you gonna give for part for the house? Are well, you? I wouldn't just pull a number out of nowhere. I would begin to pray and ask God, what, what do you want me to do? God, do you want me to buy that house? Or did I see somebody else buy a house? It's a little bit bigger than mine. And how dare you have a bigger house than mine? So now I need to catch up. Like, like, are we waiting to hear the Lord? And here's, the, here's a great thing about the word of God. It cannot be molded to fit my agenda. <laughs> I cannot transform it to mean what I want it to mean. No, it's to be surrendered to. In other words, God, you said it, and I may not even agree with it, but I'm going to do it because I'm surrendered to your word. I'm surrendered to what you want to do in my life, and I don't think I have better ideas than you. And I believe that God has a word for you. I believe that God wants to speak to you over this next year. God has something he wants to say to you about your family. God has something he wants to say to you about your career. God has something he wants to say to you about your next step in your walk with him. But we have to stop and listen for him to speak. And so this is why for my family, we don't miss church. If we're out of town on a Sunday, we'll, we'll go to another church that's preaching the Bible. But, but we don't miss church. Why? Because, because this is the place where God is beginning to speak to us. This isn't the only place he speaks but, but he speaks to me on Sunday. So I'm on the front row with my notebook, not because I'm just like, hey, I just want to take notes. But it's because God is, has an opportunity to, to speak to me. This is, this is why we jump in a life group. Sure, we want, to make, we want to build relationships and make connections. But ultimately, through our life group leader, it's like a word could come forth that's, that's good for your life. And so we have to surrender to what God has for us. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. This is God speaking, and he says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God is the only one who gets the right to say this. God is the only one who is batting 1,000 on the words that he says coming back to him and fulfilling what he sent it to do. So I don't know about you, but I say stuff all the time. (laughs) And I think I'm right, I really do. until Google is popped out, <laughs> until some questions start being asked. And I'm like, you know what, I could see where I was wrong on that. My words return to me all the time, and they are void. Your words return to you. You, you know you made some New Year's resolutions last year. Our words return to us void. But God's word never comes back to him without doing what he sent it to do. And how blessed are we that we get to hear from a God who doesn't have to change his mind, who doesn't have to say, oh, I was just kidding, who never misses it. But he always says what's going to happen. It's important to, to remember that you have a word from the Lord, because the second unpopular way we bring God glory is we praise him in the suffering. <laughs> I, the word is exciting. exciting. When you get the word, come on, you're in a prayer service and somebody prays, they lay hands on you. And I'm like, this is what the Lord is saying. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Tell me more. When you're in church and you feel like the pastor is speaking directly to your situation and you're writing it all down, that's an exciting moment. But it's just what comes afterwards. <laughs> Isn't that great? That, that You don't automatically move into it as soon as someone says it. As soon as God tells you, hey, I, I want you to grow your family, it, it doesn't just automatically happen. And how do you respond when God has said, hey, I, I want you to grow your family, I, I want you to build your family, but so you have one kid and it's like, oh, this is awesome, and then your wife gets pregnant, and then she has a miscarriage. And then a little, a little time passes, and she gets pregnant again, and there's another miscarriage. And what do you do in that moment? Because it's easy to praise on the back end of it. It's easy to go, whoa, it was awesome, when, it, when it's over. But how can we say you have to praise in the, in the middle of suffering, in the middle of heartache, in the middle of loss, in the middle of divorce? Like, like, how can we say that you have to praise in that moment? I was thinking about this, and I started to think about in the 1700s and the 1800s when, when slavery was was still legal, how... The songs that were popular then were spiritual songs of praise to the Lord. There's not many complaining songs from the 1800s. And people who were enslaved would begin to sing about how the Lord would rescue them. And so this one song uh, stuck out to me, and it's called, uh, I've Been in the Storm So Long. I think they're gonna put the lyrics up here. But it says, I'm so tired, so tired, Lord. My feet are weary, and my soul is too. I need your strength, Lord, to carry through won't let my soul become another victim too. Now think about the reality of someone being chained, being separated from their family, being moved across the world to a place where they don't know anything, singing about how they're not gonna let their soul become a victim because they're trusting in the Lord. And if in that moment they can sing that and say that, how much more can we in the middle of our issues begin to still offer praises to God even though we are suffering? Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through 18. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So you're an heir. If you are in the family of God, there is an inheritance coming your way, (laughs) not provided that you stay consistent, not provided that you are a great person, but provided that you suffer. (laughs) In other words, your suffering is your ticket into what God has for you. And we cannot step into more unless we go through a little bit of suffering. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. Everybody has to suffer. Everybody has seasons of suffering in their life. It doesn't matter where family you came from. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how great you are. Everyone has to suffer. It may not all look the same, but the Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And so we all step through suffering. But we can praise him in the middle of it because we know that there is something coming that's better. And in the middle of it, it feels like this is the worst thing ever. But what this verse is telling us is that there's going to be a glory that's revealed in us. And by the time that happens, when you look back and you, you compare the two, you're going to almost feel silly that, you, that it's like this isn't the, the weight of these is completely different. This glory is so much greater than the pain that I went through. And so right now in the middle of it, I'm going to begin to praise God. Here's what else I would tell you is that even if God doesn't do it on your terms, he's still been way too good to you. And and I'm not going to come into the house of God with my arms folded and pout like a kid who didn't get a happy meal and then, God, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. No, I'm going to come up and I'm going to begin to lift my hands. And the Holy Spirit sometimes is going to have to partner with me to do that because I'm not going to feel like doing it. And I'm going to have to rely on the grace of God to move me into where I need to be. But ultimately, I'm going to be found praising Jesus, because that whenever I praise him, I begin to shift my perspective and I move my focus from what he hasn't done in my life. And I begin to move my focus to what he has done in my life. And so I wish I had like three people in here right now who would say, you know what? God hasn't done everything that I've asked him to do, but my life is pretty great. You know what? Everything hasn't, hasn't plan, planned out. There, there's no way you should be in the rooms that you're in There's no way you should be in the place you're at in your family. And if it hadn't been for the grace of God on your life, you wouldn't even be where you are right now. So how could we come in and go, you know what, I'm just going to complain and I'm going to gripe. No, 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 I'm going to praise in the middle of my suffering because there's more glory on the other side. Psalm chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. And Jesus actually quotes this while he's on the cross. It says, my God, my God, why have you Forsaken me. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, like God, where are you at? <laughs> you you have completely left me. I thought you were with me, but you're not here anymore. Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of of Israel, Not the complaints of Israel, not the criticisms of Israel, but the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Listen, we've all felt like there's distance between us and God. We've all been in seasons where it's like, hey, I, I don't know what's going on, but I feel far from you. But it's your praise that actually allows God to begin to inhabit the areas of your life. It's your praise that invites God into your situation. And we don't just look backwards. We look forward and say, you know what? I don't see it right now, but I'm moving from glory to glory. So I'm going to offer God praise any way. The third thing that's unpopular that we have to learn how to do is we have to learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit. And here's, here's the problem I have with that. Because that don't sound too bad. Rely on the Holy Spirit. sounds great. It's the rely part. (laughs) Because I don't, if I'm being honest with you, I don't like to rely on things that I cannot fully wrap my mind around. See, I'd rather rely on me because I know me. (laughs) I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm not going to (laughs) do. Sometimes I know what I'm going to say. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say. But the Holy Spirit, you can't just create an equation and go, okay, this is what God is going to do every single time. See, I I can rely on my paycheck because it comes at the same time, every two weeks, and it's the same amount. So so I can rely on that. But it's harder for me to rely on the Holy Spirit because he has this weird thing that he likes to do where he doesn't tell me everything (laughs) that's going to happen. Give me a step. He says, hey, do, do this thing. And I'm like, and then what? <laughs> well, After you do that, we'll talk again. <laughs> and, and I would actually say that unless you learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, you actually can't do any of what we've talked about for the last two weeks. Unless the Spirit of God leads you and guides you and brings to remembrance the Word of God to your life, you can't fully move from glory to glory. You need the Holy Spirit to do that. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And Lord, you don't even know you don't even know what to ask God for. And and we think that we are so smart <laughs> and we have it so put together because we live in a very pull yourself up, buy your bootstraps, you can do it, you can build it, you can start from nothing and grow into something. And all, none of that is negative unless you forget <laughs> that the Spirit of God is the one who partners with you and moves you from glory to glory. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit tells us where to go and where not to go. And, and, and we can, obviously, we can take this all the way over here. So let's keep some balance. I don't think you have to wake up and go, Spirit of God, what color pants do you want me to wear today? That, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but when you are moving into making decisions, when, when you're in a situation and you don't know what you're going to do, that is the time to lean into the Spirit of God. And there's some things that, that me and Cindy were talking about this past week. And we were just talking about the journey of how God has built our family, and it hasn't been a normal journey. And we are starting to bring to her, like, we were starting to remember all the things that we decided to do. And I would love to stand before you and go, me and Sydney made all the right decisions every time, and we had a great attitude about all of them 100% of the time over the last four years. I couldn't write a book about it and tell you how to do it. But we didn't. In fact, most of the time, she would pray and worship and she would feel like, okay, the Lord is telling us to do this. And she would come into the room and she would say, this is what the Lord, this is what I got from the Lord. And I would say, I actually, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And then I would go and pray and worship and I would get something from the Lord and I would go to Sydney and I would go, hey, babe, this is what we're supposed to do. And she would go, uh, I don't want to do that. So I would love nothing more to be like, hey, this is how you do it. The one, two, three. But here's what I can tell you is that you have to learn to rely On the Holy Spirit. And so we were in the middle of trying to build our family, and we felt like the Spirit of God told us, hey, make room. Like, if you want more kids, (laughs) make more room. So we turned what was like my game room and my office and all that, and we had to get rid of all that stuff, and we had to make a nursery. So we bought a crib, and we put some baby stuff in there, and we picked out a name. And if you're looking at that, you'll go, well, that's weird. You don't have an extra kid. I know. (laughs) But the Spirit of God led us to do that. All of our friends who had who had I spent more time buying stuff for babies and I, I didn't even go to the to the store when we were buying stuff for Malachi but the spirit of the Lord told us, hey you need to bless the people that you know who are bringing kids into the world and so we were hosting baby showers and we we're buying gifts and' we're, and but that's weird what how how could you celebrate what somebody else is getting that you know, I didn't want to do it <laughs> yeah. but the spirit but the spirit of God began to lead us to do it and so what you're what you're not hearing is, Devin and Sidney did it because they are good people. No, the Spirit of God leads you. And so I don't, I don't know what the Spirit of God is leading you to do, but I would, I would ask you to consider this. Are you relying on the Spirit? Are you relying on yourself? Are you relying on the helper and the advocate? Because even Jesus, after spending time with his disciples, three years they followed him, went everywhere that he went. He even said, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave, but please don't do anything. <laughs> until the spirit of God comes. Because if you start trying to do stuff out of your own power, you're gonna, you're gonna mess this whole thing up. But if you'll wait on the Holy Spirit who I'm sending, then you'll be empowered to do what I've called you to do. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel: not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So you can't power your way through it. <laughs> you can't muscle your way through it. It's nothing that you bring to the table, and it's everything that God brings to the relationship that you have with him. I I wonder if there's some areas in your life where you think it's just not working, but really you're just relying on your own strength. So you think your kids are a lost cause, and I would say you, you might be relying on what you know how to do and not asking the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. You, you may think, and this moment is painful in my life, and it's always going to be like this, and nothing I do is going to fix it. And I would say, you would be right if you were the only power that was available. But we have another a power that's available to us. And he can lead you into all truth. And he can help you overcome. And we cannot do it by ourselves. But when we partner with him and we say, you know what? I'm done trying it with my own strength. Holy Spirit, I need you to invade my life and empower me to do what you've called me to do. And move me from glory to glory. That God can show up and move in our life. The fourth and the last thing is this. It's unpopular. But we have to tell the story of what God has done. And here's why it's unpopular. Because we once God moves... It's like we forget that all the nights of tears, all the nights of prayer, all the nights of crying out to the Lord. And we start to think, we did it. I did it. Look at what we have done. I did that. I, you know, celebrate me because I overcame. But really, it's a story of what God has done. It's, and, and I don't know if that's anybody's story, but, but for, for the last 10 years of my life, it has not been Devin has made great decisions. It's been God and his grace and his mercy and his kindness has drawn me into a relationship with him. And every struggle that I've had would have taken me out if I hadn't have been partnered with God. And so it's not my strength. It's not what I did, but it's what he did. And here's the story that we tell. It's just three words. God did it. What do you mean you face an extreme loss, but you're you're still involved and you still have some joy and you're still moving towards the things of God, and you haven't given up all hope yet. I don't have an answer, but God did it. What, what do you mean your teenage son has has gone away from the Lord, but, but, but you're still here, and you haven't gone away, and you haven't lost faith? I, I don't know what to tell you, but, but God did it. What do you mean you were raised by parents who had no concept of Christianity and or a relationship with God, but somehow you ended up in the, in the house of the Lord, serving Him, being on a team. Like I, I don't have a I don't have an answer other than God did it. God, God moved. And and that helps people. Because there's somebody in the room right now who they don't know what they're gonna do. And they don't need another person to stand up and go. Well, here's the five things that you ought to do right now to fix your life. That is, that's not what we do. <laughs> we teach people to have a dependence on God because he is the one who sees you through. I, I don't know why we had one son for five years and now we got three more kids just out of nowhere. That's, that's how God did it. So I don't have a playbook to give you. <laughs> I don't have a one, two, three to give you. But I can tell you, that if God can do it in my life, then he can do it in your life. Because here's what I I started to do in the middle of that gut-wrenching season is I started to look at other people stepping into what we hadn't stepped into yet. And I started to think, maybe there's something special about them that I don't have. Maybe there's something that they're doing that I'm not doing. And what you need to hear is that I'm not made in a different image than you. We're both made in the image of the Lord. And he wants to move both of us from glory to glory. So I have the same ability to surrender to his word that you do. I have the same ability to praise him when I'm suffering that you do. I have the same ability to rely on his spirit that you do. And so I don't know what you're stuck in today. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you thought this season of your life was going to be like. And maybe it looks completely different. But I'm here to tell you, it's, it, you won't like it. It will be painful, but God is going to move you from glory to glory. And and when you overcome, that's not the time to forget about him. When you overcome, that's not the time to be like, hey, I'm back doing what I was doing. When you overcome, that's the time that you immediately turn and start to tell the story of what God has done in your life. Jesus is preaching in Matthew chapter 5, and he's talking about how nobody lights a lamp and then covers it up. He says, in the same way, in verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory, not to you, not to your family, not to anyone, but your father who is in heaven. And so as you start to tell your story, God begins to receive more and more glory. And you start to see God, everything that I went through, it wasn't to break me, it wasn't to crush me, it wasn't even to harm me, but God, you used every single thing so that you ultimately would get glory. Because God, are you suffering that you can't overcome by yourself? Just so you remember, I I need God. I can't do this in my own strength. We only overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so when you come and you start serving and you jump on a team, you're not just here hanging out with some kids or opening a door. No, your life is telling a story. Come on, the works that you're doing, the, the things that you've overcome, there's going to be a moment where somebody says, I didn't even know you went through all that. How come you went through all that and you're still here? And that is the moment where you get to tell the story of what God has done in your life. So when you you see my little kids running through here, sometimes they act safe, sometimes they don't, I I don't want you to see them and go, man, look at what Devin and Sidney have done. I don't want you to remember something that I said. I want you to see my kids and go, look at what God has done. Look at what God did in the Cheatwood's life. And I want there to be a moment where we can sit around the dinner table and you can begin to tell your kids the story of what God did in our life and what God has done in your life. And it builds their faith. And they begin to know, you know what, the thing that I'm facing, I thought it was going to kill me. But if you overcame that, then I can overcome this. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.